Good to see everybody this morning. Everybody enjoyed that extra hour of sleep. Who actually got an extra hour of sleep? Okay, so who stayed up an hour later? <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like you get this hour of sleep, but you end up staying up an hour later, so then it's not an extra hour of sleep and it defeats the whole purpose. By the way, did I not read something somewhere that said that we were not gonna be doing this daylight savings thing anymore? How many of you would say you read that or heard that? What happened? <laughs> Everybody's got an answer. Everybody's gonna, well, hey, listen, despite the fact of what I thought I heard and didn't experience, whatever, it's good to see you. I'm glad that everybody's here this morning as we continue our series, our all-in series. Now, I'm a, I'm a person, I don't know, you, you may be like this. I'm a person where I wanna know why. You like that, where you wanna know why? You don't mind doing what people ask you to do as long as you know why? Y'all like that, yeah? So I'm that way, I wanna know why. And so each week I'm, I'm trying to give you the why. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we doing this all-in series? Why are we raising money? Why are we doing all these things? Well. The reason is not because I love raising money. That's not, that's not the reason, right? The reason is not because we want a new facility. The reason is not because we want to just, you know, fund the next two years of ministry. The reason why we're doing this and the, the reason why we're doing it in the way we're doing it is because we want to continue doing ministry tomorrow the way we do ministry today. And we wanna be able to do ministry in 10 years the way we're doing it today. And we wanna grow and we wanna reach more people and we wanna see more lives transformed by the powerful name of Jesus, right? And so what we're doing is we are in, intentionally going through this effort to grow the generosity of our church so that over the next 170 years, right, we can resource and set a trajectory for ministry for the next, you know, however long the Lord gives us on this earth, right? And so I've challenged us and encouraged us to take our stand in our moment in history, right? There were a group of folks who 170 years ago said, hey, listen, we are going to be faithful and we're going to sacrifice so that the people today will be sitting in this room living on their legacy, right? And in many different ways and in, in several different years from now, there's going to be a group of people who are going to look back and go, man, because of their sacrifice and their generosity and their love for the Lord and desire to see people reach with the gospel, because of that, we are here today. There's names and faces that we don't even know yet that the Lord is going to save because of the intentional effort that we're making right now. And so when I wake up in the morning, I don't go, man, I cannot wait to raise money today. That's never come out of my mouth. But what does come out of my mouth is, Lord, I'm excited about what we're doing today for the people who are gonna be saved tomorrow and the many more baptisms that we're gonna have and the folks who are gonna to come to this church and who are gonna raise their kids here and their kids are gonna to come to know Christ and they're gonna be baptized and they're gonna be married here and they're gonna have kids and, and on and on and on. I am excited about the generations of people that we are gonna reach because of this intentional effort. And so that's why we're doing it. Now, you've heard me say this, and I'm gonna say it every week. Our goal is not a number. Our goal is a percentage. It's important that you hear that, right? That for us to do what God has called us to do, it is gonna take every one of us in the room. That's why it's an all-in campaign, all-in initiative. It's not a, a, a this part of the room campaign or initiative. It's not a this part of the room or that part up there in the rafters. 
to all of us kind of thing. We've all got to be all in on this thing. And so our goal is 100% participation. Now, in order to do that, a couple weeks ago, I talked about the fact that we can't just like the idea of what we're talking about. This can't be just this really cool theory that, oh man, this would be so great to resource the next two years of ministry and these people come to know Jesus and, you know, oh man, and we get a new facility. How great is that? Like it can't be, it can't be an idea, right? It ha- we have to be surrendered to it. We've got to be surrendered to the vision and we've, we've got to go get it. And that's going to take trust. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, right? If, if we're going to do this, if we're going to be surrendered to it, then we're going to have to trust that God knows what he's doing. And we're going to have to trust that God knows the amount of money that's in my bank account. And I've got to trust that God knows how much money is going to be in my bank account tomorrow and the next day and the next day, and that he's going to provide for all of my needs as I come to him and make a offering to him and say, Lord, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but you know what? I know that you hold tomorrow. And so I can trust you for today, right? That's the kind of people we need to be. And we, we talked about that last week of the difference between being a generous people and then being a generous church, right? Paul's calling on our, our, our lives as First Baptist Belton is not that we would be a, a church with generous people in it, but that we would be a generous church. And he gives us two different challenges, right? That there's the challenge for the person who is actively sacrificing and giving, he says, I want you to grow in that act of grace. He don't want to say be content with what you've always done. Right? As a matter of fact, I would even say that Paul would say, hey, listen, I know that there's this 10% rule that floats around in Christian circles. He would say, shatter that. Grow in it as you grow in your trust and your faith and as you walk with the Lord. Like how, how cool is it that Paul calls us to grow in our giving, not to just stay the same? And then to the other person in the room who maybe has yet to start giving or maybe you just randomly give or you're trying to figure out this whole giving thing and man, it seems impossible. Listen, the hardest place to start is somewhere. The hardest place to start is somewhere. And yet Paul would say, hey, just take your step. Take that next step and become a generous giver. Become a generous person. And I heard somebody say this last week, you know, that that we want to give till it hurts. A friend of mine, he was actually teaching this the Sunday school class right behind me, he said, we, we shouldn't give till it hurts. We ought to give until there's joy. I love that. Because that's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says that we ought to give from a joyful heart. A generous person is not one who gives reluctantly, but who says, Lord, here's all that I have, all that I am. I'm just going to give it to you, and I'm glad to do it. You don't have to pry it out of my cold, dead fingers. Right? <laughs> But rather, I'm open-handed, and I'm just saying, hey, Lord, here, take it. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about sacrifice, the nature of sacrifice, and why it's important that we understand sacrifice as we consider what the Lord is calling us to do. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab it. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Also, if you have a workbook, I hope you have one of these. Maybe you've put your name in it. I've been hunting these down in the pews. I'm hoping that you put your name in it so I can call you and let you know that you left it (laughs) and that you didn't do your homework while you were gone. Um, But go ahead and turn with me to uh, page 25. Nope, that was last week. Just kidding. 29. There we go. 29. So we're going to work through this. If you have any notes you want to jot down, I would encourage you to do so. We're also going to use this throughout our time together this morning, so make sure you have one because we're going, to, we're going to have some fun exercises today. We're going to do in-class homework. 
Hey, how about that? All right. Okay, Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, that's where we're at. We're going to be in verses 1 through, one through 2 as we consider sacrifice, the idea of sacrifice. What is that? Paul writing, here's what he says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Notice that, by the mercies of God. If you, have, if you write in your Bibles, I'd say highlight that, circle that, or, you know, underline it. It's very important to what we're going to talk about. It says, by the mercies of God, I appeal to you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Notice this, which is your spiritual worship. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. You know, at one point in your life, you've probably heard the phrase, that big things come in small packages. This text, though it seems small, packs a huge punch. There's a lot in this particular verse. In fact, the book of Romans is broken up into two parts. You have chapters one through 11, and then you have chapters 12 through 15. This particular passage is wedged right in the middle of those two Two pieces. As a matter of fact, they're kind of the gateway from one part to the next. Chapters 1 through 11 are Paul uh, giving us heavy theology, right? Giving us the theory of theology, right? And then chapters 12 through 15 are kind of the boots on the ground. It's the application. It's the now what, the so what of all that he's been talking about in chapters 1 through 11. That's why he says, by the mercies of God, I appeal to you. I want you to know that God never asks something from you that he hasn't already done himself. So when he's going to talk about sacrifice in a minute, he's going to point us back to the sacrifice that he has already made for us. You see that? So God is never calling you to do something that he has not already done on your behalf for you. Again, that's why he says, by the mercies, by my mercies. In fact, if you were to go through chapters 1 through 11, you would see the mercies of God that he has expressed and he's offered to, to you. In fact, in chapter one, if you were to jump over to chapter one in the book of Romans, verse 25, he tells us the predicament that you and I are all in. He says that, that we have gone our own way, that we've exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and rather than following him and living life his way, we chose to follow ourselves and live life our way. And then in chapter three, he tells us, hey, this is not uh, just a few, few, few people who have done this, but this is, this is all of us. We've all done that. In fact, in chapter, chapter 23, he says that all have sinned. By the way, the word all means all. Right? It's not a few of us, it's all. We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of God's glory. We've fallen short of his perfect standard for you and for me. And and unfortunately, Paul tells us, hey, listen, this is what that has earned us. In chapter 6, verse 23, Paul says that for the wages of sin is death. So what we have earned by going our own way is we have earned eternal death. That's eternal separation from the God who created you, who, who, who set his love on you and created you as his, as his masterpiece. We are now separated from him for all of eternity, right? 
But here's the cool thing. God reverses that curse in Christ Jesus. We learn of that in verse 23 of chapter 6. He says, but the free gift of God, it's a free gift for you and for me to receive. He says, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow. Paul is saying that we were all on a road destined for destruction when something outside of ourselves steps onto the path of destruction and removes us from that road of destruction that we had set ourselves on. Romans chapter five, verse eight, Paul tells us in another way, he says, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not while we had it all together, not when we were on the straight and narrow, not when we were in our Sunday best, not when we were making all the upright moral decisions, but at our worst, while we were still in our sin, making terrible decisions. God saw you, set his love on you, called you to himself, and he saved you. Wow. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, notice this promise. It's a promise. You will be saved. It's a promise for you and for me to be received by faith in the finished work of Jesus. This is, these are the mercies that Paul is referring to. So again, before he's going to call us to sacrifice, before he's going to call us to do anything, he's going to call us to believe in what God has already done for us in Christ. The result of all this is God has made a way for us. We now can be forgiven. We can be made right with him. We can experience peace with God. He tells us in Romans 6 that we're no longer slaves to our sin. If you're a Christian in the room, you are no longer a slave to your sin. That means that you no longer have to obey its passions. But rather, God is going to, in Christ, through the Spirit, going to give you a way of escape. That's Romans 7. Romans 7. So we're no longer defined by our sin, right? God looks at us according to Christ's righteousness. So, right, so you apply for a job, you send your resume in. Right? They look at your resume. They grade you by your resume. Now in Christ, God doesn't look at your resume, but he looks at the perfect resume of Christ and attributes that to you. So he doesn't see you as the sinful, broken person that you are, but rather he sees you according to the way he sees his son that is righteous and perfect. That's what it means to, when we say that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I'm no longer clothed in the the. the just the wretched sin and the shame and the guilt that I live in, but rather I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I've been adopted into his kingdom. Romans chapter eight, Paul reminds us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wow, how great is that? That each and every day, God's mercies meet me every single morning and I'm reminded that I no longer have to live in the shame and the guilt that I once lived under, but rather I'm free. How great is that this morning that you don't have to worry about the condemnation of God because Christ stood in your condemnation so that you could walk out of an empty tomb with him. The end of Romans chapter eight, Paul promises that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing, you cannot outrun the love of God, you cannot outrun the grace of God, there's nothing that you can do to separate yourself from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not in heaven, not on earth. There's nothing that can be done on this earth. That's why Paul says to live as Christ, to die as gain, because not even death can separate me from God. 
right? For you to kill me, guess what that means? Well, I get to go be with him. Right, so this is, these are the mercies that, that we're learning about. And then in Romans chapter 11, we learn that we're a part of this huge, big redemption plan, right? Where we've been grafted in with Israel. Wow. Right, we don't live just for ourselves and for the here and the now, but we live and we're a part of this grand, amazing plan of God's saving and redemptive acts on the, in the world where 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us that we are being made new. We're part of this new creation that God is making and we're being resurrected each and every day as we trust him for his salvific work in our life as he is sanctifying us and growing us. I mean, these are the mercies that Paul is talking about here. And so it's in light of these mercies that he then says, okay, so now we understand the mercy of God, which by the way, to understand mercy, mercy is to take that which we did not earn. All of what we just talked about, we could not earn, we will not earn. There's no amount of good works that will ever get you there to earn those things, right? It's all by the mercy of God. And so he says, so, so he says, in light of these mercies, I appeal to you. To appeal to you means I urge you. He's pleading with you. He's begging you. I urge you, therefore, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. To present something means to bring something of value and Offer it to another. So Paul is saying, in light of God's mercies, in light of what you have, that which you did not deserve, he said, I'm urging you, I'm pleading with you to now present your bodies as a living sacrifice over to the Lord. But I want you to know that when we talk about this idea of sacrifice and presenting our bodies over to the Lord, offering up what we have, it's not just our physical bodies. What Paul means here is he's talking about all that we have and all that we are. And so in light of the mercy that God has shown us, the great sacrifice that has been made for us on the cross, then we offer up ourselves, all that we have, all that we are, and hear this, without restraint. That's to say, Lord, all that I have, all that I am, all of it, it's yours. And so here I am, I'm gonna offer it up to you without restraint. That means I'm not gonna hold this part over here, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold this back. Right? It's to say, all that I have, all that I am, Lord, it is yours. Now, when Paul starts talking about this Sacrifice. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? Like when he says, you know, living sacrifice, okay, I offer up my life, okay, I'm following that, but, but God, what do you mean? Like, tangibly, what do you mean? Well, if you think about sacrifice, you gotta go back to the Old Testament, right? For in the Old Testament, for someone to get right with God, they would have to take an animal, usually a firstborn male, unblemished, perfect, and then they would take that animal, they would grow it, with their family, then they would they'd go and they'd kill the animal and they'd burn it on the altar and that was their sacrifice and that was how they got right with God, right? That's how they paid for their sin. That's how they atoned for their sin. But notice, this is not any kind of an animal, right? It was the first and the most valuable. And this act of atonement, this act of paying the price for my sin, the sacrifice had to cost them. By the way, a sacrifice is not a sacrifice unless it costs you something, 
Right, that's why we talked about last week in the idea of generosity. Paul uh, refers us back to the Macedonian church. They gave of their means, but then they gave over and above what they could afford. Why? Because they wanted to sacrifice even over and above what they could afford to give, right? For a sacrifice to be a sacrifice, it means to go over and beyond. It's got to cost us something. Well, the cost of a living sacrifice is that we no longer live for God, but or no longer live for ourselves, but we're living for God. That's why Paul says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The way of the world is to live for ourselves, to gain more, to get more. I need more stuff. I need a bigger house. I need better cars. I, 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 I need, I need, I need. I need more, 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 more. That's the way of the world is to say that there's happiness outside of God. It's what has got us here in the mess that we're in in the first place. It's, you know, Satan tempting Eve to believe that there's more to life than what's in God, than what God can provide for us. And so it's this neediness, this want of more that we find ourselves in this brokenness. And Paul wants to shatter that in our lives and call us to becoming a generous people where we're free to follow the Lord and wherever he calls us because my trust is in him, not in my bank account and not in what I own or what I don't own or the clothes that I wear. And he wants us to find our approval in God, not in what I uh, you know, can pay to have done or to pay to wear or my vacations that I can post on Instagram and make everybody think that my life is perfect when it's a wreck. He's calling us to a deeper life with him, a life of cost where it's not about me, but it's about him and him alone. That's what he's calling us to. He's calling us to a life of self-sacrifice. Maybe you've heard this. We're, we're in this like weird world right now where we're talking about self-help and you know, self-care, which by the way, understand when I'm saying self-care and when I, what I'm about to say here in just a second, I'm not saying don't take care of yourself. But I'm also saying that understand that we were not created for ourselves. We were created for him. And that you will find more joy and more satisfaction when you are not living for yourself and you're not living for the approval of someone else, but you're living for him and his approval and that's it. Right? And so he's calling us again to this self-sacrifice, this life where, God, it's not going to be about me. It's not going to be about my wants and my dreams and my desires, but it's going to be about you and your wants and your dreams and your desires for me because I know that that's far greater than anything I could ever dream up for myself. And it's costly. It's costly. It's going before the Lord and saying, God, I'm going to give you my intellect. If I have anything between the ears, I'm giving it to you. I'm going to give you my intellect. I'm, I'm going to give you my passions. I'm going to give you my emotions. I'm going to give you my artistic abilities, maybe my lack of artistic abilities. I'm giving it to you, Lord. I'm going to give you my speaking, my dreaming, my personality, my writing, my schooling, my teaching, my coaching, my nursing, my business, my constructing. All of it, Lord, I'm offering to you without restraint. I'm going to give it all up to you, Lord. All without restraint. Lord, I'm going to offer you my time, my money, my house, my cars, my comfort, my lawn mowing, my cooking, my cleaning, my clothes, my stuff, my vacation, all to you. I'm trying to cover everything. I don't know if I'm getting there, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get close. I'm offering you my marriage. I'm offering you my kids. 
I'm offering you my parenting, my friendships. I'm offering them all to you, Lord. I'm giving them all to you, everything that I have, Lord. Open-handed, here I am. Use me with, without restraint. You dictate what happens to me, Lord. You dictate what happens to my resources. You dictate what happens to my kids. You dictate what happens to my job. You dictate all of it. And here's the cost. We're relinquishing our control and our authority over our own lives and we're saying, God, I am submitting all of it to you. That's the, that's the calling that Paul is calling us to. And I'm telling you, this is costly. It's costly. It's, it not, it's not gonna maybe cost you something. It will cost you something. There's a good chance it will cost you business deals. It's a good chance it's gonna cost you friendships. Anybody lost a friend because you've chosen to follow Christ? It could cost you family relationships. Jesus even tells us that if you count, if you count your relationship, your, even your family relationships as greater than me, you will have no part in me. It didn't come from me, that came from Jesus. It's gonna cost us friendships. It's gonna cost us retirement balances. It's gonna cost us bigger houses, newer cars. It's gonna cost us vacations. It's gonna cost us career changes. It's gonna cost us misunderstandings. We're gonna be misunderstood. If you live like this, if you live for God and not for yourself, people are gonna go, what in the, what's, what's wrong with you? The world that we live in is, is how much can I get? How much can I gain? hoarding all this stuff. Like, that's the world we live in, right? And when you start giving it all away, people are like, what's wrong with this person? Now, that's why the Christians in the first century were, people thought they were nuts, literally. They thought they were crazy because they were, they wouldn't keep anything. They're just giving it right back, right? Sure, kill me, <laughs> right? My life is not my own. It's gonna cost you. It's gonna cost you comfort, it's gonna cost you control. It's gonna cost you approval, status, time, and money. And hold on, let me just say, if it's not costing you these things, it may be because you're not living the Christian life. Right, that's the other side of that coin. Right, so there's, on one side, it's this invitation to, to experience this and live this. On the other end, it's the invitation to say, hey, if you're not experiencing some of these things, it could be that you're not living the Christian life in the first place. So right, there's this invitation to, hey, here, come and experience life and what it means to be a living sacrifice, but then on the other end, it could be, hey, alert, alert, alert. Maybe, maybe I'm not living the, the very thing that I claim to believe. Because there's never been a time in history where people have followed Jesus that has not cost them something. It's costly. It's costly, but I will tell you, though it may be costly, it will be far greater than anything that this world can offer you. The cost far outweighs, or the reward far outweighs the cost. I'll tell you, the return on this investment will never fade. The return on this joy, it will, it will, it will never fade. It'll never fade for all of eternity. That's incredible. That's a promise that God makes to us that the reward is far greater than the cost. 
And so as we consider the cost, y'all, we've, we've got to consider the cost, right? If God is calling us to finance the next two years of ministry, which would include a new facility on MLK, Martin Luther King Jr. and 121, if, if God is calling us to do that, it is going to have a cost. There is going to be a cost that you and I have to incur in order to do that. We can't just say we're going to do it and then we do it. Right, the little boy had to come before Jesus and say, Jesus, here's, it's not a lot, but here, here's my bread, here's the fish, do with it as you please. It's going to take all of us coming before Jesus and saying, hey, it's not much, but this is what I got. Here's my food for the day. And, and laying it at his feet and saying, you choose what happens to this you know I've been thinking all I mean I've been gosh I've been thinking about this for a long time like gosh Lord what are you asking me to sacrifice Lord what what does this mean like I mean do I need to do I need to clear up my whole bank account is that what you're asking me to do maybe is he asking me to sell something maybe you know I've been working through this like Lord I what, what do you want Jordan and I and the kids to do like do we need to do we need to sell our house and move to a smaller house I mean how do we get here you know, how, what, what role do I play? I mean, it's been tough. I've talked to many of you and you've had the same struggle trying to figure out, God, like, what are you asking me to do? How do I measure a sacrifice? And so um, here's what I've done. I, here's some couple of things I've been thinking about and praying through. And I want to encourage you guys in these three things briefly. Number one, I want you to know that in order for us to get to our financial goal, we have to get to our participation goal. The hardest place to start is somewhere. Right? We just need to start somewhere, and it's got to be all of us. It can't be a few of us. It's got to be all of us. And so I want all of us to consider, Lord, what are you asking me to do? And then to, to do that, right? If we all participate, we will get there. So here's what that means. When I'm talking about participation, what I'm talking about is for those of you who are currently giving, I am asking you, like Paul asked you last week, to grow, to excel in your giving, right? And I don't know what that looks like for everybody. We're all different. For you who maybe you haven't started giving, hey, this is a great opportunity for you to start somewhere, for you to help us be, to, to set a trajectory for the next several years of ministry. This is your opportunity to be of some, part of something far bigger and far greater than yourself. You know, and so when we talk about growing in generosity, here's what I want you to do. I want you to flip back over here to page 10 and 11. This is really, really cool, you guys. This is great, great. This is our, this is our in-class homework. I want you to look at this real quick. Looks, should look like this. I want you to read this and I want you to go through this because this is really neat. Put a check mark by what would describe your giving. And then wherever you stop, challenge yourself to say, I'm gonna take my next step here. I want to grow. I want to do what Paul tells me to do. I want to grow in my trust and my faith in the Lord. And that's, that's what this is all about, guys. It's not about just, again, fundraising. It's about you growing your trust in the Lord. It's far more about what we want for you than what we want from you. Right? So, so, so go through here. Check your boxes. And then ask, ask the Lord, God, how, what do I need to sacrifice to get to my next step? To my next step. What do I need to do? And then answer that question, and however you answer it, that's what you sacrifice, right? Now, here's the other thing. When, there's, when it comes to sacrifice, there's no one-size-fits-all. This room is a very diverse group of folks. You look beautiful, by the way. 
Very diverse group of folks. We all come from different seasons of life. Some of us have little kids. Some of us are senior adults. Some of us are married. Some of us are single. Like we all have different seasons of life. Some of you have a job. Maybe you've just lost your job. And there's all kinds of stories that make up the people in this room, which is what makes this church so great, right? And so when you consider your sacrifice, when you consider that, man, get alone with, if you're married, get alone with your spouse and go, Lord, what can we sacrifice, right? If you, um, right, if you, you got kiddos, get your kiddos, man, involve them. Use this as a discipleship tool and invite them to be a part of this, right? How great would it be for your whole family to be a, a part of this? And listen, if you're single, this is a great opportunity for you. You know, Paul says, if you're sting- single, then you have a blessed gift because your heart's not divided. You have more freedom to be able to give, to be able to go, and to be able to do all kinds of things that a married person doesn't have. I mean, this is a great opportunity for you to be a part of something really amazing, to really stretch yourself. How great is that, right? Now, if you're struggling with, okay, what do I sacrifice? Flip over to page 10 and 11. This is really, really neat. Uh, we just were at 10 and 11, just kidding. Uh, 12 and 13. This is a great tool to help you figure out what you can sacrifice. And by the way, this is a simple way to look at how simple things, how we can cut simple things, sacrifice simple things, and how they can make a huge difference when we all do it. Notice, when we all do these things. Now, let me tell you, you know, I'm not gonna hate on your, your, your sacrificing your Starbucks, but it's gonna take us more than sacrificing Starbucks to get there, okay? It's gonna take us a little bit more than sacrificing your Sonic runs, okay? We, we gotta consider sacrifice, but this is a great tool for you to see that even small things make a huge difference for the kingdom, for the kingdom. So I want you to consider that. I want you to think about that. I want you to go to the Lord, and I want you to ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? And hear me, look, it doesn't matter what I want you to do. Like, it doesn't matter what I want you to do. It doesn't matter what First Baptist Belton wants you to do or needs you to do or any of those things. The only person who knows you, knows your heart, and knows where you're at financially is you. You're the only person in God. By the way, it's about King Jesus, not even about you. We're gonna offer our lives up on the altar of his grace and say, God, Here's all that I have. I'm giving you unrestrained access to all that you have given me by your mercy, right? And so you go to the Lord and you ask him and he is going to align your heart and he's gonna call you to something and then you need to do that. You need to do that. Now, here's the third thing that I'd tell you. I, would just, I want you to know that you're not alone. In a room this size, you know, and, and maybe you're in a Sunday school class or you're in a life group or whatever, and y'all have been talking about this, well, that's awesome. But man, there are a lot of people who have made some major sacrifices already for this. And I, I want you just to know that you're not alone. There, there are people who have sold land for this initiative. There are people who have downsized cars for this initiative. There are people who have sold houses and made money and downsized their houses for this initiative. There are people that I know this morning um, who, who, who've never even given to the church and they're so excited about this opportunity and they're, they're committed. Like, how great is that? Right, there are a group of guys, I don't know where my guys are, but uh, college students who are participating in No Shave November and they're gonna donate the money that they would give to their razors to the project. How about that? That's awesome. No, I'm not a part of it. 
But listen, I want you to know that no matter how big or how small, it matters, and you're not alone. There are people who are sacrificing greatly in order to see this thing happen. And so I'm just asking you to do the same, and I'm asking myself to do the same. Now, here's what I want, to, I want you to know. So over the next, um, next week, so we've got one more week. Next week's Commitment Sunday. So mark your calendar. I need you to be here. This is really important. If you're not going to be here, I want you to let me or let one of our, our directional leadership team members know because I am going to put your, your, your offering in the, in the box for you, okay? Because I don't want you to miss out on this. I want you to miss out on this incredible moment in our, in our church. Now, here's what next week's going to look like. I want everybody to be prepared. You like to be prepared? Yes. Okay. So I want you to be prepared. So next week's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great moment for our church. And what we're going to do is we're going to have everybody come down front and you're going to give your offering. Notice I'm calling it an offering, not a commitment card. This is your offering back to the Lord. Not to me, not to First Baptist Belton, but to the Lord to say, God, here's my yes. Here's what we can do. And I'm trusting you with it. So we're going to have buckets, these really cool bins maybe is a better word. We're going to have one right there, one right here, one right here. I'm going to, Jordan and my, and my family are going to go first because I'm never going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to go first. So I'm going to meet my family. We're going to put our yes down. And then I'm going to invite everybody in the balcony down first. And so everybody in the balcony is going to come down. They're going to put, down, put their yes in. And then everybody on the bottom floor, then you guys are going to come. And so I'm going to try to make it as controlled and as, we're going to hurt some cat. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great, but it's going to be an incredible moment in our church's history, and I don't, I don't want you to, to miss out on that as we sing. I'm going to preach a little bit, and then we're going to respond to the calling that God has placed on our lives. So I want you to come ready and prepared, and I want you to spend a, I want, you know, if, if you normally spend an hour a day in prayer, I want you to spend two hours a day in prayer. If you spend five minutes in prayer, I want you to spend 10 minutes in prayer. I want you double in your prayer life this week. Not just for what you're going to do, but for our church and for what God's going to do and ask him to do big things because I believe that he's going to, okay? Now, as you prepare, I want you to work through your, your commitment card. It's going to be your offering to the Lord. And in order to help you do that, I've got a video that I want you to see right now on how to kind of work through that so that you are, are ready to go and prepared for next week, okay? All right. Turn your-